0: All right, so we are now in week four of our series, Hashtag. Uh, I was actually anticipating on closing the series out today, but it's going to go a little bit longer because today's message is really kind of setting the foundation for the next couple of weeks, and so that'll make sense by the time we get to the end of the message today. Uh, So we are going to continue in our Hashtag series, but just to recap you where we've been over the last several weeks, week number one, we talked about Hashtag love and how uh, well, first, let me tell you this, where hashtag came from uh, is this, is that uh, I I, start, I read an article about the top trending hashtags of 2018 on social media, and it just got me thinking, seeing some of these, and then the Lord started speaking to me on several different ones of those, and so I was like, man, how, how neat of a series that is. Of course, it's not a hashtag, it's really a pound sign, number sign, uh, especially for those of you that were born before the year nineteen ninety seven eight maybe so uh, you know if you were born after that you're like no it's a hashtag I hate to break it to you but if you're on an automated phone system it tells you press pound okay not hashtag just wanna set the record straight but you know we're trying to keep up with the times here so we're naming the series hashtag instead of pound Uh, but anyways week number one we talked about love it's the most a popular hashtag that's in social media right now. And so we talked in that message about how God is the source of love and how we have access to that love and to the source. And, and, and that's simple to hear, but really I think sometimes we live our lives not with that idea on the forefront of our brains, the fact that we have access to the source of love. And we talked about how the enemy of love is selfishness. And then in week number two, we talked about no filter and how in social media people take pictures and then they put filters on them to change the way that it looks and and that really it's a matter of perspective. And so we looked at what it was like to live a no-filtered life, the way that God sees our life and living from His perspective and not our perspective or the world's perspective as far as how it views our lives. And then in week number three, Last week we talked about hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday, and we talked about how there's things in our past that we do need to remember. And many times we're encouraged to forget the past and let the past go. And there is some of those that some of those things in our past that we really do need to forget or we need to let go. But then there's other things in our lives that we need to remember, such as a childlike faith, such as hope, and 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 remembering those moments where god has moved in our lives where we can set up a memorial that we can go back to and we can remember for not only ourselves but if our kids are like well what happened then then we can say well god moved in our life at that moment and so we talked about that and then talked about remembering our first love how christ told the church in ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 about how they did great works and how they had sound theology, but the one thing that they lacked was their first love. And, and remembering where we had that first love and going back to that place because we, it, it says that, that, that you've left your first love. Jesus said you have left it, not, not lost it. See, you can lose something and not know where to find it, but when you leave something, you know exactly where you left it. And so we talked about going back to that place and remembering that we talked about how the enemy will use our past to imprison us, but Jesus will use our past to instruct us and to inspire us. Well, this week we're going to look at a top trending hashtag on Instagram, and this will tell you how much I'm on Instagram or, well, my wife is really on Instagram a lot, but she didn't even know this hashtag. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like maybe we're not as uh, trendy in the social media world as maybe what we thought, but there's this hashtag called Hashtag follow for follow. Okay. Follow for follow. And, and really, this is like, I mean, it's upwards of like between different versions of it because people have put uh, follow in the number four, follow, uh, follow, F O R, follow, that kind of deal. But altogether, there's like over 400 million hashtags that say some version of it. So it is a very, Popular hashtag so the follow for follow tells everyone who browses that hashtag that you'll follow users who choose to follow You all right, and so it's always trending really highly so when you put that hashtag on there It lets everybody know that if they follow you You will follow them back okay everybody on the same page all right not necessarily going in that vein But I thought follow for follow uh, when I saw that before I actually read the uh, the the definition of exactly what it was I immediately went to first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 where Paul says this he says follow my example as I follow the example of Christ follow my example as I follow the example of Christ now in other translations and in the Greek the word follow Is translated and defined as to imitate. So maybe your version says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because that's what the actual Greek word for follow means in the Greek. It means to imitate. Now, according to Merriam Webster's, this is what imitate means. It means to follow a pattern, a model, or an example. To be or appear like, to resemble, or to produce a copy of, reproduce. So what Paul was. Essentially, saying is is I resemble Christ. My life resembles Him. My attitude resembles Him. My love for you resembles His love, and so therefore, resemble my life because you can't necessarily see Jesus in a physical sense, but you can see me. You can touch me. You can feel. You know. So so there's this sense of Paul saying, "Okay, I get it. You you might not be able to see Jesus, the person, like what the original apostles saw." Jesus-like, or what I even saw Him like when I had the encounter on the Damascus Road. But you can look at my life, and so I'm saying to you, imitate me, resemble me, reproduce what I'm doing as I reproduce and resemble who Christ is. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So let's look at Paul's life. Here, here's, here's the first question that we need to ask. We need to ask ourselves, well, what happened to Paul for him to say, follow me? Like, what was it about Paul that got him to the place to where he could make a statement like that? Because when you read that at first, it might seem a little arrogant, right? Like, who is Paul to say, follow me as I follow Christ? Like, he's the only one that's doing this thing. But, but that's not where he comes from. He's coming from a place where God has absolutely changed his life. So what happened to Paul for him to say, follow me? We can look at Galatians chapter 1, and this is like a personal testimony that Paul is giving here in verses 13 through 16, where he says, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. So what Paul is stating thus far is is his past, where he came from, who he was. I was passionate about being a Pharisee. I was passionate about being in in the law. I was passionate about whatever my father was passionate about. And to the point that I was willing to persecute the church that now I proclaim to be a part of. So he states his past, and then starting with verse 15, but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. That is an interesting couple of Scriptures right there. One is, is that He gives you His past. He gives you His resume of why He does not need for people to imitate Him. Because he even says in other places in Scripture, if there was the the worst sinner, I am it. Sign me up for that position. I am the worst if there ever was one. But when God... Are you all awake this morning? But when God... When God came into my life. But what's interesting is, is that he doesn't say, but when God found me on the Damascus Road. Look at what he says. But when God who set me apart from what? My mother's womb, which means to me that Paul is saying, guess what? The, 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 the dream that God had for my life. The destiny that God had for my life did not start when I gave my life to Him. It started in my mother's womb when God impregnated, when He did something into that seed, He did something in me. And it didn't take until the time that I was on the Damascus Road for my flesh to be opened up in my eyes to see what it was that God had in store for me. So... So Paul is, is giving his personal testimony. Then in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13-15, through 15, he kind of gives us the general deal for all of us, right? He says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. He says, you were dead because of your sins. I was dead in my life pursuing Judaism and in my passionate pursuit to persecute the church. I was dead then, but when God, I am now alive. And he goes on and and he's saying that he canceled the record of the charges against me and he took it away by nailing it to the cross, which is why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, because ultimately Paul wasn't wanting to shine the light on his life, he was wanting to shine the light on Christ and what Christ had done in him and through him. Because what Paul was saying is, is look guys, if God can do it for me, He can do it for you. It's not just about me. It's about the Christ in me and about what Christ has done through me. So what made Paul's life resemble Jesus? This is the second question we asked. What is it or what made Paul's life resemble Jesus here's the thing here's the simple answer and that is this the mission was the same their mission was the same what they were trying to accomplish was the same and so what Paul was saying is is like look guys follow what I do because I'm doing the mission of Christ My mission is the same mission that Christ had when He was here on this earth. Now let's read what Paul's mission was in Romans chapter 15. Starting with verse 16, he says, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me, in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them." Now verse 19 is not really what I want to point out here, but there is something interesting here. He says, "...they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to whatever that word is and pause. All right. Now here's the thing. He says in there that they were convinced. Somebody say, convinced. Okay, so what he's saying here is, is that I preached Jesus to them. They liked what they hear, what they heard enough to hear some more, but it wasn't in they weren't convinced until the power of miraculous signs and wonders and the power of God's Spirit came. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Because there's a lot of people that believe that the Spirit of God moving the way that He did in the early church was reserved strictly for them. That's not true. It didn't stop with them. It only began with them. And so we have to be under... The idea that guess what? God still very much wants to move in signs, wonders, and miracles in our midst. And here's another thing, and maybe this will blow your mind. All right? Here's the thing is that so many times people believe that that's reserved for people that are in ministry. Well, guess what? If you call yourself a believer, you are all in the ministry. A position title does not give you what you need to minister. It does not mean that because you don't have pastor next to your name, you don't have evangelist next to your name, you don't have teacher next to your name, you don't have apostle next to your name, you don't have prophet next to your name, doesn't mean that God doesn't desire to move through you to produce a sign, a wonder, and a miracle. Because if I read my scripture correctly, it says that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me, lives in you. And here's the thing, is that people are in search right now, probably more than they ever have been for something that is real, something that they can latch on to, something that is powerful. We might not live in a day and age where people are necessarily flooding the church doors and packing out the seats, but we are living in a day and a time where people are more uh, in search of something spiritual than probably we've ever seen before in our lifetime. And they're looking for something to convince them. But the convincing for whatever reason. And I'm going to take this up with, with Jesus when I get up and have a, have a fireside chat with Him one day in heaven. Why in the world did you choose a bunch of knuckleheads like us to do your work? Because I don't understand it. When you could just do what you need to do. You could just show up and do it. You could just do it. But, but for whatever reason, He wants this knucklehead to do something for Him. He wants great people like you, I'm not calling you knuckleheads today, knuckleheads, that God wants to move in and through you as well. Okay, now let's get to verse 20, because this, this is where Paul really really states his mission. In verse 20, it says this, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I've been following the plan spoken of, the, spoken of in the Scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about Him will see, and those who have never heard of Him will understand. Paul said, my ambition is to preach the Gospel. And I want to focus on those which have not heard the name of Jesus Yet, I said this last week, I've said it numerous times before. I do not de- de- desire to be a church of transfer growth. We got plenty of great churches in our area, and I'm saying this if God calls you here, be here, do it, get involved, bring it on. But we are here to reach the lost because we are in a community right now where over half the population of this parish does not attend a church on a regular basis which means that somebody is lying which means that statement is probably more in the 60 percentile than the 50 percentile and they are saying that they don't attend church which tells me that when you separate yourself from the body i'm sorry but that just doesn't go again that just doesn't go with scripture very well which probably means that you're not living a life that is honoring of christ you're not living that life out. And I believe that that is segmented into two groups. I believe you've got a group of people who genuinely, they just don't know who Jesus is. And in their minds, they don't want to know who Jesus is. And then you've got another group of people that, are, uh, that, that have been hurt by the church they have, or, or, or whatever. They're, they've been burned by the church. And so therefore, they're not in church. Let me tell you, I am interested in going after the lost. You want to know why we do an Easter outreach is because we're going to get the name of Jesus out some way, somehow, some shape, form, or fashion. And if it takes an Easter egg to do it, we'll do it. You see what I'm saying? We can't just say, because listen, listen, when Jesus was here on this earth, he didn't wait for people to come to him, he went to where the people were. We got to go where the people are, and we got to be. Who Jesus has called us to be that's what Paul did and he says follow me as I follow Christ Paul says in Galatians 2 20 he says my old self has been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me you know what Paul said he said from the day that God changed my life on the Damascus Road my life is not my own anymore I am now pursuing Christ with everything in me and I'm going to do exactly what he has called me to do so that's how Paul lived out his mission now what's Jesus' mission The best story that we get, where Jesus puts it as plain and as simple as for somebody like me to understand it, is in Luke chapter 19. It's a familiar story. It's the story of Zacchaeus. I preached about it a time or two. But listen to what it happens in this story. Verses one through five says this: Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by his name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And here's some things that we can, we can pull from just those five verses. Number one, Zacchaeus, as you'll find out in, in a later verse, he was a despised, notorious sinner of his day. Which means that everybody knew who he was, but nobody liked him. They would be like, sinner! He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he couldn't see over the crowd. So he climbs a tree. He climbs a tree, which back in that culture would have been looked at as like, that. he's lost it. He's He's lost his mind. Like, that's just crazy. He shouldn't do that, but He did. And then the other thing is, is that when Jesus came by, He looked up. All right, now here's some points that I want to pull. Number one, I want to ask you the question, who are you in this story? Who are you? Who are you in this story? There's three different people, persons, that you can be. Number one, you can be Zacchaeus today where you don't know Jesus. You've heard about Him. You're curious about Him. You're, you're, and that's why you're here. You can look at coming to this church today as you climb in the tree. You want to get a look at Jesus. You want to see Jesus. You want to see if what I've heard about Him is actually real. I want to see if Jesus is who He says that He is. So one, you could be Zacchaeus. Number two, you could be the crowd. And I'm just going to say this. I venture to say that this is where a lot of us are. And I don't say that as in a condemning way. I say that in a way to get us to think. I'm going to say this. I have been a part of the crowd way more than I've been the third person in the story. But let me tell you who the crowd was. The crowd was people that knew who Jesus was. Wanted to see Jesus, wanted to talk to Jesus, wanted to touch Jesus. But all they did was just blend in with each other. And what the crowd did is prevented Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus. Because it says this, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Now we say it's because he was short, but is it because people in the crowd didn't want to allow him to see Jesus? Because that's my Jesus. And I'm going to have Jesus be who I want him to be, and Jesus is all about me, not about anybody else. I'm not going to make room for somebody that doesn't know Jesus to come and stand beside me because then I'd be a little too uncomfortable with that. Especially somebody like Zacchaeus, who is a notorious sinner you see what the crowd represents are those that know Jesus but then yet they just want him for themselves they blend in do things like everybody else does nobody's necessarily looking at that person saying man that's that that's that's a Paul imitate me as I imitate Christ I know this is hard okay and 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 just please hear my heart I'm not trying just please 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 we need to ask ourselves as a church is cultivation church a crowd in this community where people have a tough time seeing who Jesus is do we just blend in do 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 we do we genuinely care about lost people Are we willing to become uncomfortable a little bit so that we can see the notorious sinners that are in our area come to know who Jesus is? I'm tired of being a part of the crowd. And I'm talking about me personally. I'm tired of being a part of the crowd. What does being part of the crowd look like? Is when somebody that you don't agree with, you see somebody's lifestyle that you don't agree with, and instead of saying, dear God, please, please show yourself to them, you're like, man, that's gross. Or who does that person think they are? They are just, that's ridiculous. Like, I, like, I just don't even understand how they can be that way. How they can act that way. How they can do things like that. How they can... How they get like like uh uh they just like uh but but that 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 that's what comes into our minds that's what being a crowd member looks like feels like and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being that way. Because if people who need Jesus more than any of us come in and feel that way then we've become the crowd, and they can't see Jesus. Or are we the third person, which is Jesus, in the story? Are we the ones that are willing to look up instead of looking down all the time to notice these people that are hurting and are needing somebody just to reach out to them in love? to say that there is a very real Savior named Jesus who 2,000 years ago gave His life for you. We live in, in in a look down society now. We're all sucked into a device. We're all sucked into a computer screen. And we just constantly look down. Look down all the time to where we don't even notice anybody that's around us anymore. Are we willing to be Jesus and be willing to be the ones that look up and notice the Zacchaeuses of the world? Because here's the second point. People are desperate for Jesus. They might not be able to vocalize it as in, I'm desperate for Jesus, but their life just screams it. And sometimes they continue to go down the wrong path, just hoping somebody will take notice and save them. That's the reason because they don't know any better. They just choose to keep going down that way until somebody, hopefully, somebody notices. People are desperate for Jesus. And we live in a day and time where Jesus, the man, the person, does not walk among us physically because he's chosen to live inside of you in me we're the ones that are supposed to be the Jesus walking around looking up looking for those that are desperate and people are desperate people are climbing trees in our lives all day every day but we don't look up enough to notice that they're even there Something that the Lord has convicted me in. And I just say this as a way to maybe get you to to think and not to pat myself on the back. But like one of the things, and and Christina and I have talked about this multiple times, we come across people every day. None of us live in a hole, okay? You're going to be around somebody outside of yourself every day of your life unless you're a hermit. But you're not a hermit because you're here today. But here's the thing. I have felt impressed that everywhere that I go, every person that I come across, any person that I see, that I'm going to simply just strike up a conversation. It could be something as simple as like, hey, how you doing? Hope you're having a great day. Just something to encourage them. It might just be that, and that's all it is. Or it could be a way that God opens up the door for me to say something more. That could become a sign. That could become a wonder. That could become a miracle. That convinces them that Jesus is who Jesus says that He is. It's like the other day, I was at Walmart. I'm backing out of the parking spot. Almost ran over the cart guy. Cuz I didn't see him. He has a little remote control thing. I'm sure that he probably would have jumped behind that and I would have ruined the cart thing. You know the thing that drags all the carts up there for him? So he stops and he lets me out. He's like flagging me down. You know like, "Whoa, don't hit me, but like come on out. I'll stay right here." He's like directing traffic. Like, "Stop. All right, come on." Being a part of the crowd is just maybe throwing up a little hand wave and driving off. Being Jesus is rolling down the window and saying something. I'm not saying that the the guy came to know Jesus that day, but I simply rolled my window down and I was like, hey, man, thank you so much for letting me out. I appreciate that. I appreciate what you're doing. You know, like have a great day today. You could tell, like, the guy was like, Is this dude a lunatic? Because he's talking to me. But it's like, How many people talk to the car guy? I'm just saying, you never know. You never know. But you, until you put yourself in a position, you'll never know. Jesus, everywhere that he went, was on purpose for a purpose. And that time, Zacchaeus gets so desperate that he climbs up the tree. He's so desperate. And we think the story is about about Zacchaeus seeking after Jesus. But it's not about that at all. Because Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was going to be in the tree before he was even in the tree. Jesus was always looking for an opportunity. It was actually Jesus that was seeking out Zacchaeus that day not the other way around and here's the number four is that Jesus started with relationship notice he didn't say Zacchaeus you filthy son of a you know what come down from that tree so I can smack you upside the head and tell you that you're just a liar a cheater a robber and and, and you're going straight to hell unless you unless you accept me right here and now did he say that no he simply said Zacchaeus come down let's have a, let's have a meal what it threw everybody that was around them by surprise they were like are you serious jesus do you even know who you're about to eat with you see the church has been really good at telling people what they're wrong at they they've been so good at telling people that what they believe is not right and this is how you should believe we're, we're too focused on things that really, at the end of the day, they don't matter anymore. We, 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 we are still stuck in the law side of things. You see, somebody that starts a relationship with Jesus thinking it's all about do's and don'ts, they're not going to last very long. They're not. They're going to do great for a little while. They're going to have fun for a little while serving Jesus but then it's going to come to a place where I'm like I, I can't do it anymore I feel trapped that's not who Jesus is but when you start with the relationship and allow the relationship to be able to purge things out instead of trying to purge somebody out in the beginning that's how Jesus did it he wasn't out there to say Zacchaeus you're doing a b c d e f g h i j k l m n o p wrong He just said, I want to have a meal with you. Because Jesus' intentions were to get to know Him. Jesus does not want to come at you with every list of things that you do wrong. He just wants to know you. And guess what happens? The more you get to know Him, the more you start to become like Him. So let's wrap up this story, 6 through 10. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said this. I don't know what the conversation was, but it was like, it almost feels like as soon as Jesus enters in the house, Everything changes. Zacchaeus steps up to the plate and he says, I'll give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. I want him to be my tax guy. (laughs) Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. What's amazing to me is that Zacchaeus's life was changed by an invitation. Changed by a simple invitation. Notice Jesus doesn't say anything until everything's all said and done. It was just the fact that all he did was invite him. And Jesus' presence changed everything. He walked into his home as much as he walked into his life that day, and they both were changed. And in this, in verse 10, talks about what Jesus' mission was. He says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus' mission, seek and save. Seek and save. Seek and save. He says, that's why I've come. Guess what Paul did? He seeked and he saved. He seeked and he saved. He says, i got to go to the people who don't know who Jesus is, haven't heard about who Jesus is, so that they might be saved. He went in search for it. He sought after it. He went everywhere that God told him to go. Now, here's the thing. Paul says, imitate me for I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Well, guess what? Jesus entrusted his disciples, and not only his disciples, but every believer after that with the same mission. It just is labeled a little bit different. Instead of seek and save, it's go and make. Jesus came to seek and save. For you and I, it's to go and make. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, seek and save. Me and you, go and make. Seek and save. Go and make. Here's a couple of questions as we close today. as Christina comes back up. The first one is this. Is our mission the same as Jesus' mission? Do you sit here today and can you say that my life is all about go and make? Go and make. Go and make. And here's the second question can we stand before people in our lives and say, follow me as I follow Christ? Now, can I make you feel better? Can I do that? I can't answer yes to both of those questions. I can't say that my life, 24-7, that I can say yes to these questions. I can say it about some of my time. If some of y'all were flies on the wall in my living room when it comes to my kids, you'd be like, man, that does not look like Jesus. Jesus. I, I just say that to say this, that all of us, all of us need to have this daily recognition that we have to be intentional about being this way. You, you, you can't just get like a, a, a kick in the pants and, and, and feel like, man, like I'm ready to go. I'm walking out of this place today and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and make and, 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 and I'm going to start telling people to follow me as I follow Christ. Because it's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision to be that way. It's a daily decision to wake up and say, am I going to allow my flesh to rise up or is it still dead today? Paul says that, that, that I have died. I have died. Now Christ is alive in me. But some of us, we like to, like I guess, be the walking dead every now and then. And we allow our flesh to rise up and we start looking like a bunch of zombies. We might not look like it on the outside, but we're on it on the inside. And we walk around in our flesh. We walk around in the old. We walk around in, in what we used to be. It's got to be a daily decision. we got to wake up every day and we got to say, No, not today, flesh. Jesus, here I am. And today, I will not look down, but I will look up. And today is a day that I go and make. Today is a day that you live inside of me. And I will be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's stand all over this place today.